you could just like let everyone know, you know, who you are, what you do and, and what you get going on in your life. Yeah. So um, I'm Zan Griffin. I'm 20 years old. Um, I've been producing. That's like the main thing I do. Uh, I've been doing it for 11 years now. I started when I was nine years old. Um, I mostly made EDM. I built my name off of doing like a lot of EDM stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, at this point, I'm just like an all around artist. I sing now. I do songwriting. Um, I do mixing slash engineering and uh, producing. And um, yeah, I think that's a pretty good explanation. I'm, I'm based out of California. Uh, I'm in L.A. right now. Um, what else is there? You're just an overall cool guy to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, you, you like long walks um, on the beach. <laughs> I, I actually really do like long walks on the beach is the funny part. I go to the beach almost every morning. Nice. Yeah, we got a lot of beaches there in LA. It's a, it's a nice place. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of them out here. Um, I guess another thing I'll mention is I pretty much, uh, I love every genre of music at this point. I'm really uh, not really, what's the word, like anchoring myself to a genre at one point. Because at one point I was doing like progressive house and progressive trance and that was like my thing. And then eventually I went to like dubstep and I went to like future bass. <laughs> then I just said, oh, I'm an EDM artist. I'm not even going to identify one of those things. And then I started to mess with like R&B and like hip hop and then like just like indie, like electronic indie type. Of, and then I just was like, man, I just like making everything because I like making like cinematic score type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so now I just I just like making music. So that's the point I'm at now. Nice, man. So when when we talked last, um, you know, we were talking a lot about Facebook ads and stuff. But along that chat, you mentioned that you've gotten to where you are today with this, like essentially just organic 100 percent organic just reaching out and networking and just putting in a ton of effort um and yeah. you've been doing music so you're 20 now and i forget what age you mm -hmm. said you you started like making music nine. and pushing it nine so which is which is already fantastic but you you've managed to grow your your spotify and i'm sure you know your other platforms i know on youtube you I think you have more subscribers than i do yeah but your spotify you got 116,000 monthly listeners and you've got almost 30,000 followers and you did that essentially for for free i mean aside from you know tens of thousands yeah. <laughs> of hours of your own effort and and, and blood sweat yeah. and tears but could you walk through kind of that the journey of of how you built that all up over the years yeah so definitely like i'm gonna be probably like really long-winded and go on like lots of tangents that's, that's just kind of how i am and that's good but um i guess i'll try to start from as beginning as I can. So um, I started producing because my dad was actually a producer back in the day. He used to do like a lot of like the West Coast rap stuff back when it was like first um, coming onto the scene, like in the mainstream and stuff. So he actually got the opportunity to work with people like Ice Cube and like Snoop Dogg and um, just like really underground West Coast rappers, like a, like a guy named Threat. Um, but um yeah, things didn't end up like working out as far as him becoming like a big producer. Like one of his mm -hmm. friends is DJ Poop. Um, he's the one who actually made Friday. If you guys have ever <laughs> seen that movie. Um, my dad yeah. grew up with that guy and he's the one who actually got my dad into producing and like making music and stuff. And he didn't end up being as popular as him because it's just like a lot of politics and things like that back then. And there weren't like the copyright laws that we have now. So my dad actually 
I'm not going to get into too many specifics because it could be like legal or whatever. But like just certain things got like stolen. He didn't get his rightful credit for certain things. And like, yeah, just a lot of bad things kind of happened. And um, so um, he ended up passing the torch to my older brother and he passed it on to me, too. But originally I didn't want to produce like I wasn't interested in music at all. I, w- I wanted to be an engineer. Um, I, I love that to this day. Um, I wanted to be like some kind of like architect or, you know, just build things. I've always liked to like create and build things. And I thought that's what I was going to be doing. But um, they kind of forced it on me. And then uh, I, I ended up liking it because I got to build things. Like I got to take that same mentality I've always had and just put it into art because I like drawing and stuff too. So I was like, okay, that, that's cool. So. That's pretty much how I got into the actual producing. Because I know some people are curious, like, how do you start at nine years old? Yeah, and, and, so, and just uh, interject for for one sec. It's funny yeah. that they basically pushed music on you, whereas for most people, it's the opposite. Their families are like, no, don't do this music stuff. Become an engineer yeah. or become an architect. For you, is like the polar opposite, which is, which yeah, is kind of nuts. Yeah, literally. Like, it's, it's really crazy because um, my grandpa, he worked for the city uh, in masonry. So he did like a, a whole bunch of like the bricklaying and stuff for L.A., yeah. And um, so it was kind of like almost like following like a, a path kind of thing, because I, I wanted to be like my grandpa as far as like building things and stuff like that, just like on a on a bigger scale instead of just being like a mason yeah. worker. Like I wanted to like design buildings and stuff. And uh, my dad was also into like um, like CAD software and things like that, too. So it was, it was mm. like a, a thing, like a, a, a base, I guess, that we all kind of did. We were in like that engineering architect kind of like CAD designing type of world. Um, But my dad specifically, he branched out to music. But um, yeah, so they forced it on me, ended up doing uh, music. And my dad, as far as like how much I was taught, because I know some people probably think that, oh man, like he probably just taught you like a whole bunch of stuff and everything like that. But honestly, he really didn't know how to work the programs I was using. Like he was, he came from that era of like analog gear. So he had like MPC 3000s and like actual synthesizers. Like I have like a mini Moog in the garage that he gave me. Um, and like, so he gave me a, a Mac. I say I started when I was nine because I actually started earlier than that, but I didn't start doing my own like music, like beats like myself mm-hmm. until I was nine. Cause he got me this really old MacBook for my ninth birthday. And then I got um Reason on there, like uh, on you know the Reason software, yeah. yeah. Um, so like imagine a nine year old on like Reason is like to me it's still like a complicated plugin. I mean not plugin, but um, DAW. So like yeah. the fact that I started on that instead of like some like I use FL Studio now, but instead of starting on like a easier uh, program like Ableton or FL, Reason was really like just. It was a lot for a nine year old. It's a lot for me. Like I bought it just to check it out, you know, because I sell sample Mm -hmm. packs and thought it'd be a cool way to get more sounds. But I mean, you know, you see I have the Eurorack stuff. And to me, it's Mm -hmm. like the difference between using like a Moog to using a Eurorack setup, like in complexity. (laughs) It is reason it's it's great, but like I can see how that that probably puts you in a great position to transition to other DAWs. Yeah, definitely it did because it was just like such a learning curve you know but it was kind of fun like being able to figure things out and being so limited because i would look at tutorials all the time everyone had like dsts and like everyone no one really used reason except this one dude named lucky date he was a uh, like an older edm act and um i learned a lot of stuff from him as far as like sound design and and things like that 
And um, yeah, so I, w- I was using Reason. My dad, he showed me the basics because he kind of knew how to use it because it was on the computer. Like he had the license for it and stuff. And he was like, yeah, I know how to like record stuff in here. Like I can show you how to do that. But other than that, he was like, okay, you're kind of on your own. Like I just showed you how to kind of like record your drum beats in there, how to like put new plugins in. And that's really all you knew how to do in there. So I figured everything else out by myself. And um, from there, I, it was really, there weren't tutorials like that. Like YouTube wasn't like this haven of like, to, like now you can become like a really proficient producer in like a year. Yeah. You like put the time. But at that time, I was so dedicated because like, I had all the time in the world and I couldn't find tutorials. Like I tried Googling things. I tried going on YouTube. So it was a lot of it. I just found my own creative ways to like make my own sounds and to like develop my style. And um, I spent that time really just like listening to songs that I liked and like trying to recreate them. And um, that got me like a lot of insight on like how songs are like structured and what sounds do what. And it like really um, trained my ear so I could really hear what's going on in music. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I was doing hip hop originally. Cause like I said, my dad was into like the whole West coast rap scene. So naturally I wanted to do like the same thing as him. And my brother also was into like making hip hop music. And um, yeah, I would just, I was doing that for a while. Then my brother actually showed me um, Benny Benassi satisfaction. And I heard that and I was like, yo, what type of music is this? Like, this is so cool. Like, he told me, he's like, oh, this is um, like house music. Cause it was before like he called it EDM. He was like, oh, it's house music. And I was like, yo, this is, I want to make this type, this is hype. Like, cause I was such a hyperactive kid. Like I've always been like super active and always in sports and things like that. Like I've been that kid who like can't sit still. Yeah. So like, that, like EDM was like perfect for me. Cause I was just, like, oh, this is like hype. This is just pure hype music. So. Yeah. Um, I, I started to get into like making house music. Then I found out about Dead Mouse and some dude named Butch Clancy um, on SoundCloud, who was like one of the first like big dubstep dudes to really like pop on SoundCloud. Then like Skrillex and, you know, the list kind of mm. goes on. And um, yeah, I started to just really get deep into that. If some of you guys want to see like me making like uh, like a house song when I was like 11, I think I was like 10 or 11 years old. You could go to my YouTube channel and like scroll all the way down to the bottom of the oh, videos. Oh snap! You you were making videos <laughs> when you were eleven. That is that's yeah. <laughs> my mom made me like they they made me make it because they were just like oh you should be on YouTube like this is how many people your age are doing this and like like actually pretty good at it and I was so camera shy like I was like no 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 don't don't put me on camera like but they they did so um, I'm I'm really grateful for it though. I'm I'm really grateful that they pushed me because you know I was like a very yeah. shy kid. And um, yeah, so by 11, I was really like pretty uh, deep into it. As far as like, I really liked EDM. I was pretty well acquainted with like names and like the scene and stuff. And then I got introduced Mm. into like progressive house and progressive trance, like that kind of like Anjuna, Silk Music, um, enhanced music type of sound. Um, My brother's best friend actually put me on to that scene. and then that was like the start of me, um, like kind of like really developing a style. Um, and at that point, I think by 13, I had transitioned to FL Studio because my we had an extra like old Dell tower that was like really bad, but like it was good enough to run FL Studio. So that was cool. So 
I was able to uh, get that. And I was like, yes, finally, because the MacBook that my dad gave me, it wasn't like some nice thing. It was like one of like the PowerBook series oh, ones yeah. that was like horrible. Like I couldn't even get Google Chrome on it. I couldn't like watch certain youth. Like it was like certain websites I couldn't go on because I couldn't uh, download the latest Adobe Flash player. Like it was like a really, really old. I couldn't even get like a newer version of Reason. I had like a really old version of it. So to get that Windows computer, it was very nice because, you know, like pretty much everything, um, you can pretty much get anything on like a Windows XP computer at the time. Um, So, yeah, I started using FL Studio by the time I think I was about 13. And um, at that point, that friend that I told you about, like my brother's friend who introduced me to Progressive Chance, he Mm -hmm. actually was friends with this dude who made a label called Nova Lotus. And, you know, back then there weren't like, independent distributors like DistroKid and stuff so it was really hard for me to figure out how to get my stuff on itunes because i wanted to be like considered like legit and um he got me in like a facebook group chat with that guy and then the dude was like freaked out by like how young i was (laughs) um when he heard my music and then uh i ended up like signing my first contract with him when i was 13 is that even is that even legal (laughs) well i had my parents had to co-sign okay Man, yeah, that's anything. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's crazy. That like by the time you're 13, you're 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 signing contracts for for music. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so we're we're at 13. You're you're like already making some success. Yeah. So at 13, uh, I get my first song on like like distributed pretty much like on iTunes and on Spotify and stuff. And back then, my name used to be Zan Wow X A N W W. So you guys can find some of my like older older releases like before before i was like 15 i changed my name to like my real name so my real name is zan griffin yeah um i changed that like when i was about like 15 i believe um because i that's the first time i got a manager but i'll get to that in a second wait Um, so zan wow the the account that still currently has over two thousand monthly listeners that's you when you were a teenager (laughs) yeah man you actually put out a lot of music on this for 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 being a teenager like 20 2014 i mean a couple of releases a year but like pretty solid amount you know for for mm-hmm. being that young damn yeah man i was that's that's all i did like that yeah all i did was pretty much like make music all day and like build things um so yeah that's pretty much it and as far as like after the first release i did um, I think I was in 13, so I was in eighth grade by that time. And it was really cool because everyone at school was like, oh, wow, like you released a song on iTunes. Like I was able to like pull up on people's phones, like, look, I have a song on <laughs> iTunes. And it was like such a cool moment. Um, and uh, what happened is I hit this like point that summer, like the summer after I graduated eighth grade going into high school, like before I actually went to high school, that summer, I like, I don't know what happened, but like my skill level just like transcended. Like it just went to like this whole other level. Cause I don't, I was just like very like ruthless. Like as far as like every day, I was just like always creating. I was just listening to so much music, like just so much music, like all the time, just always listening, just like really like trying to pick things apart and learn as much as I can. And um, like I said, I was really into like that silk music scene which is like that really like underground progressive house type of sound, like people like Nigel Good and like uh, Elon Bluestone and um, like Tritonal, all all types of people like that. Um, And 
I just uh, really took it like very seriously because I got that song on iTunes and I was like a fire underneath my like my butt of like pretty much. And I was like, oh, man, I have this opportunity now to be able to like, I know I'm good enough to get this stuff on iTunes. And like, I can actually make money from this now, which is like really cool because I had really bad equipment at the time. You know what I mean? And I was like, I really am limited. Like, I feel like my bottleneck right now is the equipment that I'm using because I feel like I have the skill set to be able to use good stuff. So um, I was like really pushing myself. And I was um, at this point, I was really heavy on Facebook. And I was just like messaging people and like um, just trying to figure out like how to get in contact with these labels that these other artists were under. And um, there was this one label called, ah, dang, how can I forget it? Elliptical, Elliptical Sun Records. That's what it was. It was like, and it was like a pretty, like at the time, if you got on Elliptical Sun, that was like one of those like starter labels, but it was like, you had to be a certain level of producer to get on there. So it wasn't just mm-hmm. something where they just release everything. You still have to have, you have to, you have to make really good music. Yeah. And I like stalked their, um, their fan page. And then I figured out who the owner of the label was. And then I was able to pretty much like friend him on Facebook. I waited till he like friended me back or accepted it. Cause I wanted to see if, you know, he's open a friend request and he did. Cause I knew emails, people don't reply to emails back then. And I was just like, oh, it's so annoying. Cause I would always email labels and stuff and never get mm. a reply. Not even like a, not even get denied. Like they just wouldn't reply. So I was yeah. like, okay, I got to figure out how to like get them instantly. Like I got to get an instant reply. So I found this dude on Facebook. I um, ended up messaging him. I forgot how exactly I even like got him to listen to my music. I did something, but um, I basically sent him some stuff and what I do always, because I was so young and I knew people got scared away by that because they thought it was going to be the most like horrible music ever. Yeah. So um, what I would always do is I made sure I would send the music first and I would tell them my age afterwards, because then if they heard the music and then they knew my age, they'll be like, yo, whoa, like it would be instead of it being like, oh, man, I want to listen. It's like, whoa, this is crazy for like yeah. a 13 year old or 14 year old. So um, that's what pretty much happened. I sent them this one song, which is like. I think one of the like like the second release on Zanwow probably I think it was um ah man what is it called Solar Wind I think and like there's another one it was the EP I did but um I see the, ethereal, yeah, the solar like, EP solar and ethereal back in 2014 yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's I, like this whole situation I'm talking about was to release that EP so um I basically messaged him and. Uh, he liked it a lot and then I told him my age and then the dude was like on me like he was just like yo like we like you're gonna you're gonna do like big things when you're older man like and he was like very very helpful like he really tried to connect me with as many people as he could like at that point I got connected with a whole bunch of other producers who were like way older than me like in their 20s already and you know they were impressed and then I was able to really um um just like learn from them and just like network and like that at that point I was just really like every day I was like always like in Skype calls with people even though we wouldn't really be doing anything we'll just be kind of like just talking and um sending each other music and and things like that and it was like really fun and um yeah that at that point I was just pretty much networking with other producers and then just learning from them and learning like plugins to use and like Mm -hmm. methods uh to make my stuff better and like to get better mixing and all these other things. And then, um, 
yeah, from there, it just like, it, it's pretty much this exponential curve that's been happening throughout, like since I was nine, all the way up to this <laughs> point. And I'm starting to hit that like curve point where it's starting to go a little bit more diagonal. Yeah. So um, at that point I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to make money like i was really just like i need to because i've always been like if you guys look on my channel zan griffin i've always been like an entrepreneur like to this day i'm like still like very heavy into business um and i used to like sell candy at school sell duct tape wallets that i'll make sell like necklaces and all types of things just so i could buy more studio equipment and like be able to make better music and i was like okay but how can i kind of monetize my music or make money from it so then i realized that there's things called remix competitions and I was like, okay. And I would just go on these websites. Um, I forgot the one website, but it was like remixcompetitions.com or something. It was like a popular remix competition site. Yeah. But um, there was this one competition for this one song. And I met like my first, like amazing, like to this day, me and like, he's the only guy that I work with on my project currently. Um, his name is Taj Ray. And he was uh, producing back then. And he hosted a remix competition for a collab he did with someone else. You win like a little bit of prize money, I believe. Um, for for yeah, like fourteen, it was a lot. I think it was like a hundred some bucks, and I was like, oh my god, like <laughs> oh, if I win a hundred something dollars from music, dude, like oh my goodness, I can almost crazy. buy serum. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, so um, I entered that competition, and I ended up being able to like, like I said, I got in this habit of like instead of just like being like everyone else and just entering things or like sending emails to people. I was like, I'm going to build relationships with people. Like that was my strategy is I was like, I'm going to build genuine relationships. Like where I will literally like not ask for money if they need favors from me. Like if they need me to make something for them or like do some kind of favor, like I was just trying to build strong relationships. So then I could ask for something later. Like I really wanted to yeah. give like equal value. And um, so I found the dude Taj on Facebook I did the same method, pretty much send them the music first. He liked the remix a lot. Then he found out how old I was. I believe I was still 13 at the time, I think. Um, and he was just very impressed. And we became like very good friends after that. And I did. It the funny thing is I didn't end up winning the competition. I think I came in like third place. It's still um, really good though. Which kind of sucked. No, like it was great because I, I got to connect. Like I said, I still work with this. I talk to this dude almost like on a daily basis to this day. So like we um we remain it's it's a relationship that just has spanned the years type of thing so that was really the value in that competition was the relationship that i got so um meet this dude taj and didn't win we started this like duo for a second and it didn't really work out we made like two songs together um, but I, I, I realized I really like working by myself. Like I, if you, even if you look at like my catalog, you don't really see any collabs with other producers. I only mm. work with like other vocalists. It's just like a, I have to really be into your music. Like it's like a real, like I have to feel a connection. Cause I never, I've, I've tried the whole, like, let's like piggyback off of each other's fan base type of thing. Yeah. But it just, I, I, like I said, I have a business mind, but at the same time, it doesn't feel genuine to me. Like I don't want to release like bad music or music I don't believe in. So I've done, I've done like a lot of collabs with like pretty prominent artists sometimes. And I just never finish them or like, mm. I never like push on it enough because it just doesn't feel right. Like it's, it's just not, the song isn't there. Um, so yeah. we stopped doing that, that duo. And at this point I've, I've learned a pretty good amount. I've got gotten to like a, pretty good amount of connections and um yeah i'm just like 
just trying to release more music on that Elliptical Sun uh, records record label. Pretty much, I talk to Taj often because he's a graphic designer. Like that's his strength. He went to ah. school for that, and that's like what he was really good at. So he actually started helping me with like graphic design stuff on some of my independent releases that I would do, and. Um, he taught me a lot because I like to do everything myself. Like I was like one of those people who like to just pretty much control everything. So I learned Photoshop. I learned how to use After Effects. I learned how to use Premiere. I learned like just pretty much every aspect of like putting a release together. I just like would be on YouTube, Google, wherever, just like learning. And if I had people that knew how to do that professionally, then I would ask them for tips because I didn't mm. want to just ask them to do stuff because I knew that I couldn't pay them. So, yeah. but Taj was cool enough to, to be able to do some of this stuff for me. So, um, at this point, I released a few things on Elliptical Sun. I'm starting to build a name. Like, people are starting to talk about me, which is cool. I see that. I know that I'm starting to make it and have a name because YouTube channels are starting to upload my music, like those music channels, like the progressive house ones. And there were yeah. certain channels that I really would listen to all the time. I was like, bro, if I get on this channel, man, that means I made it, like, on another level. And there was, like, these smaller progressive house channels that started uploading my stuff. And I was like... <laughs> I was just like just super excited and I was like dude this is crazy like I'm really like doing this right now like this is like I I didn't know I was gonna get to this point at this age and I was just like very excited but then I got to the point where I was just like okay I need to hit that next level so one of my friends at this point he showed me uh not one of my friends the dude who put me on progressive house my brother's friend he showed me a label called Monster Cat. I mean, everybody pretty much yeah. probably knows what Monster Cat is. Of course. Um, so I saw, yeah, yeah. So I saw Monster Cat and I was like, yo, whoa, I didn't realize that they could get this big. I was like, I didn't know EDM labels could, be, I, I thought this was like an underground thing. He was like, yeah, bro, you should try to get on this. And I was like, oh man. So like, then like the whole like progressive house thing and I was doing, I still really like to do it because I was very passionate, but I was like, I got to get on Monster Cat. Like that was like, the next level for me and I was like oh man like how am I gonna do this so pretty much that like put me in a whole different chapter of like my production journey and like just my artist journey of like trying to get on this label and I was like okay I gotta up my production quality and then also um I wanted to start making different types because like I said I, I was I kind of switch genres a lot and mm. eventually I stopped doing the progressive house stuff and um you know, those labels are strictly progressive house trance, so they weren't going to release any of my stuff. So then I started to get into doing independent releases. And at the time, I didn't have DistroKid or anything, so I could only post it on, like, SoundCloud and, like, do promo and, like, get other YouTube channels to post it and other, like, SoundCloud aggregation channels, I think that's what they're called, where yeah. they, they'll, like, repost your stuff and, like, post them. And yeah. um, so I just did promo that way. And um, I started to build, like, a little SoundCloud following where I would, like get like a, a really good amount of comments. I started to really get in that community and like uh, message a whole bunch of producers that I liked. And then I built like a little cool, like plan of like producers that we had like on Skype all the time. And uh, we would just always talk and like play Minecraft together. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's dope. That's so um, dope. Just like a bunch of producers just chilling, sharing tips and playing Minecraft. <laughs> that's, that's just like, it, such was, a cool it was actually so lit. It, sound, are, it sounds yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I think those are some of like my best memories that I have. Like it was just when times were like so simple and I had just just like just a lot. I don't know. It's it's just like a it was a great time. Um but um at that point, um I started to get a lot better at producing. I started to do more dubstepy stuff and you know, 
every time I switched genres, I would have to do a learning process because I got good at progressive house and trance. And then I had to like figure out another thing. So I'm like, dang it. Oh man, I suck again. So um, I was like, I would go through like spans of like a year sometimes where I'm just really trying to like perfect the sound that I'm trying to get. And um, eventually I just started, I, I created my own style. Like people were able to recognize like Zan Wow. Like they're like, oh, this sounds like a Zan Wow song, which was really cool because I was doing like dubstep stuff. I was doing kind of future bassy stuff. And I was doing progressive house stuff. And all three of those people are like, it sounds like the same artist. Like, and I built yeah. like a fan base of people who were really just coming back, um, wanting to, to listen to my stuff. So um, yeah, at that point I'm getting like, consistently i'm getting about like over a thousand plays on soundcloud which to me at the time was like just like mind-blowing like i was like oh my gosh like there's a thousand plays on here and there'll be like like sometimes like 40 comments or something and i was like oh my goodness this is like crazy man i'm really i'm really doing this like and i don't have a label behind me or anything like this is just me at the time and i think at this point i'm about 14 probably going on 15 um and so I have like a, a good amount of like independent releases under my belt. Um, and then I figured out how to make my stuff uniform. Um, and I had Taj at that point, I started to stop really doing a lot of my own graphic design. Like I still did like my own YouTube videos and stuff. Like I did my own visualizers and stuff, but for album artwork, um, Taj was a graphic designer. So he was able to give me like a uniform look for everything. So yeah. um, I started to get in the habit of branding. I was like, okay, now I got to focus on branding and like actually building like this look, like what is Zan Griffin? Like who, who is this? Like I, I'm past just the music now. Now I need to get the whole experience together. Yeah. So at this point I'm having like pretty consistent releases. Like I would do this thing where I would make like three songs ahead of time. And then I would like schedule them out like three weeks apart. And then uh, it was about, it was either a month or three weeks. And so that way I had some consistency because I realized that if I kept doing it consistently, then I would be able to build off of like the hype of the last track. If I waited too long, it dies down. So yeah. it was like kind of like this thing where like a song come out, the stats go up like this, then they come down. Then another song comes out, then it comes up, <laughs> then it goes down and it just keeps doing this. And I realized that and I was like, OK, so I got to stay consistent. So I kept doing that. I was, like I said, just emailing as many channels as I could. Even if I felt like I wasn't going to get featured, I was just like, <laughs> you never know. Because there were some songs on some of the channels. I'm like, how did this get on here? Like, what? Like, maybe I can do this. I don't know. So let me let me try. So, so I would email a whole bunch of people. Um, and eventually, um, like I said, I my name just started to get more and more prominent. There would be like actual channels that like recognize me. Like when I actually messaged them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard of you before. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Like, I guess yeah. you're seeing me like spam my stuff everywhere. <laughs> um, and yeah, so at this point, I've gotten a pretty consistent release schedule. And then Taj, that guy that I told you about that I met in the competition who's doing my graphic design, he actually made a, uh, a collective. He made an artist collective called Knox Collective because his last name is, uh, actually, it's, I don't think it's Knox. I, I think I think it's Ray, but he his his producer name was Hard Knox, so he called it Knox Collective, and mm -hmm. he actually was really good at picking talent because one of the dudes on the collective is this dude named Nurko, and he's actually like a very prominent producer right now, um, mm -hmm. like he's even bigger than I am, like and it's just cool that he had that ear to be able to pick people out. Yeah. So um, he created Knox Collective, and it was like a collective of people. 
And at first I was reluctant of joining because I was like, ah, oh, man, I'm really like used to doing this stuff on my own. But I saw that he honestly, he had like a connection with Mr. Suicide Sheep. He got one of the artists on like the smaller Suicide Sheep channel. And I was like, yo, like what? Like, that's crazy. So I hit him up and I was thinking, I was like, ah, oh, man, I already said no, but I don't know if he's going to like let me now because I, I wanted to see like some kind of results just because I was already doing my own thing. And yeah. then, you know, I felt guilty for that because I was like, oh, dang, I feel like I'm kind of being like a user. But at the same time, I just didn't know if this was going to like work or not. And now I see that it did. And I felt really bad. But, you know, he really believed in me. And he was like, a, he's a very genuine person. And he was like, yeah, man, like, I totally understand why you didn't want to do it. But now you can see that we're actually like doing good promo and all this other stuff. So I was like, OK, cool. So um, I ended up doing this song called Utopia. And that is the song that really like. I just got my name out there and um that was the first song i ever got on mr Su- not on mr suicide sheet but it was on this other channel suicide sheet and i can mm. remember that feeling of that song getting uploaded and i was just like it was like just like the craziest butterflies and because it was like just all these comments coming in like i was seeing like tens of thousands of views for the first time on a song of mine i was like oh my gosh this is gonna hit like 100k eventually <laughs> like whoa like i was like yo this is this is insane like it was it was amazing. And then there was this dude named Sacha Vibes who had this blog. And um, actually not even a blog. I think he just had a popular Twitter Twitter account. And he found Utopia and he tweeted about it. And from him tweeting about that song, I just got a whole bunch of traffic to my SoundCloud. Like, it was just like a whole bunch of comments. I got a, That was the first song ever that got me 10,000 plays. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, I, I hit 10K on SoundCloud. And... Um, yeah, it just gave me like a, a good amount of buzz in like that underground EDM world. And then um, I released a few more songs after that. And then um, after that had happened, then I got hit up by somebody, um, which is my which was my first manager. And when I got my first manager, that's when things like really changed, because that's when I changed my name from Zan Wow, because I was still Zan Wow when I did Utopia. At this point, I'm, yeah. I think I'm 15. because I was in high school. I think it was like, like my sophomore year by this time. And um, my the manager, he worked at um, Epic Records at the time. Like he was like or he wasn't he was in the, an assistant, I believe. So like I was like, holy crap, like this dude works at like a major record label. and He's hitting me up like I just make EDM music. Like, what do you what do you want with me? And he just saw so much potential because he found how old I was. because I had my name like on my sound on my YouTube and stuff. Yeah. And um, he he just had me do a complete overhaul on everything like he was like, okay, we're, we need to think of this as a business. Like, and he's the one who gave me the mindset that I have now, like who really like ingrained it in me to like make everything like very uniform. Everything needs to be clean. Everything needs to be calculated. Um, and he just was able to give me that balance of art and business. Like it was like art plus structure, like that chaos of art (laughs) and the structure of business. And he was able to really teach me that. And, um, so there was like a real moment where he was like, okay, the Zan Wow thing, you got to cut it. Like he just said it pretty much like that. I was like, what do you mean? Like, cause my mom gave me that name. She was like, she, the whole point was it like was Zan and then the wow was for like with or without. And it was just like pretty much saying like, I'm going to do this with or without you type of thing. Like I'm going to just make my way no matter what happens. Like I'm going to do yeah. things by myself. Cause she saw like how much like of an independent spirit I was. So I was I really resonated with it and I, I kept it and then I was like telling him that and like I actually cried when he was like telling me like you should change it you have a cool name like Zan Griffin like just change it to Zan Griffin I was like no dude I, I can't do that like Zan, it was one of the it was it was amazing because 
um, it's like that saying where it's like you have to like as an artist you have to like kill your babies or something like that. Yeah. And it was like that was the moment where I evolved. Like it was that was holding me back. Like it was one of those things where you don't realize that it is until you do it. Because once you make a hard decision like that, you're able to make a whole bunch of other hard decisions. Yeah. And um, so he explained to me the reason he was like, Zamwow sounds like ShamWow and like all this, all these <laughs> other things. And he was like, you have a cool name. Just use a real name, dude. Like, yeah, Z- Zan Griffin is a pretty baller name. Like it, it's, it's easy to say it's short enough. It's unique. Like Zan is a super cool name by itself. And Griffin, it's just, it's kind of a bad, like you, you, you kind of got like a rock star or like, like actor name zan griffin it just sounds yeah, thank dope. you <laughs> thank you man but um yeah i changed my name to zan griffin i made like a big announcement on all my social media like oh this is a new chapter and like my career and everything like that and then um yeah there was a lot of me and him butted head heads a lot i can see a lot of that was just me being reluctant to change mm. for the better actually um and there was just a lot of stuff. Like he had the strategy. He was like, okay, like what we need to do. Cause he was like connected with like really prominent artists at the time. And he was like, he was like very, he would analyze like, you know, like what's going on in the industry and how people are popping off. And he was letting me know how I need to do things. He was like, okay, what we need to do for a while is don't release any original music. Don't release any original music. We're going to just do remixes. And I was like, what, what do you mean? No original music. Like, I love having full, he's like, no, we're going to do remixes and we need to huh. do them every two weeks. We need to drop a remix every two weeks. And I was just like, what do you, bro, does it like, we got in such like an argument. Like I, like I was like just pretty immature about it. And I like said some things and it was just like a whole like moment. Cause I just felt like he just didn't value like my artistic integrity, which at the end of the day, like now I can, I'm older now. So I can see what he was really trying to do. And yeah. um, like I said, we butted heads on it a lot. And eventually I just really thought about it. I like ghosted him for a second and it was like a real moment where I thought maybe we wouldn't work together anymore because I was kind of acting like a child. And um, I messaged him back and I was like, I realized, you know, that I was kind of acting a type of way. And I I said, sorry about, you know, just how I've been acting. You're right. I should. This is because he was saying you're going to release original music again just for a while, maybe like a year, like. And, you know, I'm 15, so I've only lived 15 years of my life. So I'm just like a year, dude. Yeah, a year is like forever when you're you're in high school, right? A year is a lifetime. Yeah, a year is is insane. Like, even like getting paid by quarters was just like my, I was like, what do you mean? Three, every three months? Oh my gosh, that is ridiculous. But, um, so I, actually, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. I'll be right back. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll start talking to the chat. Yeah, sure. All right, sup everyone. I hope you're hope you're all enjoying the chat so far. Zan's just taking a trip to the banyo. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump through the the comments here. Uh, let's see. T T wait. Reason is the most unreasonable dot of them all. Yeah. yeah. Reason is it's kind of a it's kind of a nightmare. <laughs> it's fun, but like it's it's definitely not for everyone. Uh, Big Husk. Ask him how much music he would drop in a month. Uh, hmm, that's actually a good question. Because he kind of started talking about the remixes. Um, but we'll bring that up after we get through the rest of this this story. This, this like, path of going through, like, from him from nine years old to, like, the last couple of years is, like, invigorating. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's very exciting. Um, so let's see. Uh, T-Wald, exactly. If you're a kid, you get all the time you need to learn reason. Yeah. 
if, if you're if anyone's watching this and you're like getting into production and you're still a teenager like take advantage of the time you have there's a lot of i think when you're younger you assume that like oh when when it's older when i'm older like i'll have all this time to do stuff but in reality you you kind of just get busier as you get older <laughs> like more and more i i've noticed this a lot um, even after graduate going through grad school i'm like oh i'll have more time after i finish school no you never have more time uh tally ho says this is great thanks appreciate that fabrice will this be uploaded tomorrow so i typically unlist these live streams um and then i post them on the patreon unedited and then they go back a couple weeks after but it can kind of sometimes it's different caesar angelus <laughs> sand griffin fire emoji fire emoji fire emoji Mukasi, good stuff. And then Caesar, was it asked about his Zodiac album already? I don't know. Hey, man, you're back. Yes, yeah. <laughs> sir. I there's a, there's one there's one question that we can um we can dive in because we're in the middle of a very like invigorating story about your life. Uh, but we'll, we'll do <laughs> we'll do a question and then we'll jump back into it. Um, yeah, for sure. So let's see what was it. Um, Big Hus was asking, how much music would you drop? in a month and i'm guessing he means like nowadays you know kind of like knowing what you, knowing everything that you do now yeah so i've had like a lot of dry spells where there'll be like almost a year of no music um just because i i have me i'm at a point now where my music is like played very consistently because of that zodiac album that somebody mentioned um yeah. that allowed me to have the space to like take my time to learn more about music and creating better stuff and like so now it's more about the quality than the quantity, but I'd say like, ideally I want to do about a song every month or like every like six weeks. That's what I want to do. It's just a lot of stuff's going on. Cause I'm also doing like producing for like actual artists now, and like a lot of other stuff. So it's not just the Zan Griffin project. Um, yeah. But if they're also kind of asking like how much would should like a newer artist drop, like someone who's trying to come up, if you can, like, I'd say, like, really take a few, like, okay, you can do this. I'm not going to say if you can. You can do this if you're serious about it. Take a few months to not release any music and stack up on, like, six releases, five releases or something. Release those songs, like, every two weeks. If you feel like you can't keep up with that consistency, release them every month or, like, every three weeks. But have, like, some 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 consistency there. Like Like I said, like, at most every month like if you're uh, an upcoming artist and make sure that you're doing promo around that song for like that whole time span between releases um mm. so yeah i keep it as like nice. keep it simple there's not really like a, a formula to it like that just like consistency and just just to ask you about that so on on spotify at least if you release faster than every four weeks you start like kicking yourself out of release radar have you found that it's better to just kind of say, well, forget about Release Radar. I'm a new artist. I'm just going to crank out music and, and kind of rely on the organic promotion and kind of like grow my fan base. Because like, you know, in terms of like algorithmic playlists, you're, you're like shorting yourself a little bit of Release Radar time, which can be significant. But at the same time, if you're releasing mm -hmm. faster, that's more social media content. That's more ads. Um, there's more justification to run ads and make content. So um, do you find any like disadvantage with, with releasing faster? Um, I'd say as a new artist, you don't really need to like a lot of the algorithmic stuff I feel like is more for like when you're already establishing somewhat of a fan base. Um, I'd say that you should be still doing that consistent release of like every three weeks. 
um, or two or a month, whichever one that you want to choose. Um, just because, like, especially in this, in the era that we're in now, people's attention spans are, like, so short. And you yeah. need to, like, stimulate them, like, constantly in order for them to, in order for them to not forget about you. So as a new artist, if you just release one banger, like a lot of people will probably just forget about it, honestly. Like you might build like a core of like a few people, but the people that you could have grabbed, like to, to come back and become like a part of your core audience, they would have already left and forgot about you and they don't check back. Maybe they'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that one song I listened to like a year ago. Let me go listen to that again. And then they're like, oh yeah, he released some more music. Let me listen to it. So um, you got to kind of like put your face in front of them like hey hey i'm here like hey like yeah. when you're a new artist you got to do that because they have to see some consistency because then they're like oh you're worth following because people want to have someone that's worth following a lot yeah. of people don't want to just follow somebody and then it's just like they don't post anything like that's like i i've discovered that for sure um yeah. so yeah i definitely don't worry about the algorithmic playlist like that okay cool yeah and i i know a good amount of um especially in the hip-hop scene, a lot of, especially young rappers, are making, like, they're dropping songs every two weeks with full-edited music videos in, in, in the hip-hop space. And it's, it's like, nuts. Yeah. Like, pretty good quality music videos. And some of them, like, they don't even have fancy gear. They're doing it on their iPhone. And they're editing the videos on their iPhone with, like, you know, you can shoot 4K on your phone, and you can edit it and do all these fancy color grades. And it's, like, amazing the quality that, that some of these kids, you know, sometimes they're 16, are, are cranking out. Like it's it's impressive yeah. um but yeah good yeah. advice <laughs> um, a lot of people and i think the last thing i'll kind of say to, to that too is like you really gotta want it and you gotta have like it's just like a love for for the music really and just like releasing things like it's i've seen a lot of people who ask for all these like tips and like tricks and like secret methods when in reality if you really love what you're doing it just it shows and uh, yeah. you're gonna i don't know just be consistent with it if you really love it and uh you're gonna do whatever it takes to succeed a lot of people don't want it as much as they think that they do which is uh, the crazy part like a lot that's why i i noticed when the people are asking like that was a very basic question so i'm not assuming anything with that person but like some people when they ask like for these advanced tips or like secrets and stuff it's because yeah. they don't really want to put in the, the effort of like just doing like what is necessary. Like, cause they know, honestly, everyone knows what's necessary. Everyone knows if I make yeah. a song that is literally just so good, it's everybody's going to hear it. Like, and a lot of people don't want to do that because their love for the music isn't there. Like it's, it's like a, it's just not like the passion isn't there. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, with, I say, with that, I, I yeah. def definitely agree. Like there's really no secrets with, the music business stuff i mean there's there's definitely things you should know and things you learn over over mm -hmm. the years but you know like if if someone's not passionate about enough about the music and willing to take it hard enough like they're not gonna not only not make music that hits the quality they need to hit but they're also not going to spend all the time to actually like push it and market it and keep doing that consistently and figure out the branding and engage with their fans and you know because in terms of like making the music i mean you probably I've realized this like making the song is like half the work in, in terms of a release like you gotta make the artwork yeah. you might make a visual you might email 100 people or more you might be figuring out facebook ads you might be hitting up playlisters you might be doing a million different things um and you know the biggest secret is just like be good at making your music get better over time and do it consistently and 
don't stop until you're you're winning i guess and it's the same with youtube like people ask how do i grow a youtube channel i'm like or they ask for some secret like what's the secret to making my youtube channel grow you must know like you've been growing your youtube channel and it's like okay publish one or two videos a week for six months to a year make the videos great on a specific topic answer all the comments and try to build a community and you might get to a thousand followers in that time and then mm-hmm. keep doing that for years on end and, and that's that's the secret that's what everyone does and it's it's brutal but it's like if you don't if you don't enjoy it it's going to weed out all those all those people and a lot of people get weeded out um <laughs> but yeah definitely yeah. And, and you've definitely proven like so far i think we're only up to like you at 16 too in your in your story here um mm-hmm. <laughs> so you like you, the amount of work that you've done up up to this point um it's like it's nuts so i guess let's jump back into where you were i forget what's the last mm-hmm. thing we mentioned before the bathroom break um uh, i believe uh I, I got my first manager at this point oh yeah yeah you just went through a disagreement you're you're going to be dropping these remixes because you agreed mm-hmm. uh, okay cool all right, let's jump back. Yeah, in. so um, like I keep, I always like reference to things like one of my favorite analogies to use is like just like an exponential curve, which is how things, um, you know, they start off like very slow and it's like, it's almost like it's not going anywhere, but eventually it hits a point where it just kind of goes diagonal and then it just like kind of goes straight up. So at this point is like where I'm starting to really, I already said that I've hit that kind of diagonal point where I'm like rising up, especially after Utopia. But um, when I started to do these remixes, it was like just a lot of it was just crazy because it's like all these seeds that I planted over the years, they just sprouted in the trees like they're starting to sprout. Like it's just to this day, like a lot of those seeds are still sprouting, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, I'm doing these remixes at this point and um, my manager gets to me an official remix for this dude named Minnesota, uh, who's like a, a pretty prominent EDM act. And. I um, get the stems. I literally turn out the remix like really quick. And I, I did, um, I, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was good for sure. Um, I got like good feedback from my manager on things to change and like, you know, certain things like he was like a drummer. So he kind of knew like a, a few like ah. things to kind of tell me like what to do. Um, so after like feedback and everything, I got it done. They ended up loving the remix, Minnesota and his team. And um that got released just to like condense the whole thing. Um, it got released and a lot of promo was done behind it. Um, as far as it being on at the time, edm.com was like oh. very prominent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was on like their, their channels. I was on a, their pavilion channel, I believe it was, um, or something like that. It was, it was one of their like collective channels, I believe. And um, it got posted on there. Or actually it might've been dubstep. I don't know. They, Cause they had, that, they had a few different SoundCloud channels. And it got posted on one of those and it just like sky, skyrocketed in popularity. And at the time, I'm so glad that I had that manager because I was doing follow to download gates like on all these other songs that I was doing. Because the ones that I said I was doing independently before I got distribution, like with DistroKid or anything. Yeah. Um, I was doing I was releasing those for free. But at, initially it was just you could just download it from SoundCloud. But then I discovered download gates. Hmm. And um, I, I did download gates. And, and actually, a lot of the people from those gates would actually be active uh, followers and listeners. So oh. even though I was asking them to follow my SoundCloud, it wasn't like I was getting like these ghost followers. Like they were actual followers, which is really because cool. they're the feeds were different back then. Like there weren't all these reposts going on, like reposts, reposts, yeah. all this. So when you posted a song and someone went on their feed, 
they would see your song and they'll play it. So, um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to be in that era of SoundCloud. Um, and I was doing SoundCloud for the longest. Then I had this Minnesota remix come out and it was a free download on SoundCloud. And I mean, and my manager was like, okay, we need to build your Spotify. And I was like, wait, what do you mean, bro? Like, let's just, <laughs> my SoundCloud is going up, bro. Like we're already like close to 10,000 followers, man. Like, let's, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Yeah. And he's just like, no, nah, like eventually SoundCloud's going to die. Essentially is what he told me. Like, and I, it's just, it's just so cool that like I'm I'm so fortunate like even though we're not we didn't we're not working together anymore like I'm so yeah. fortunate to have met him and like a lot of the things that I thought he said were like BS at the time I could see that he knew what he was talking about yeah that, and, that was um, a really good prediction on his part because SoundCloud nowadays it's kind of like a shit show <laughs> yeah no literally it's it's unless you're spending a whole bunch of money on promo or like you just miraculously pop. Yeah. SoundCloud is not the greatest, uh, the greatest place for music right now. But um, so we did a, a Spotify follow to download gate. And when I did that song, I got like instantly, like within like a month or two, I got like 1500 followers on sound. I mean, on Spotify. Um, so that gave me like a cool boost because at the time I had a new Spotify account. I had Zan Griffin and I didn't have any followers. So I didn't have any music up on it. Yeah. So, um, the remix it blew up on soundcloud sadly like one of their channels got like taken down edm.com's channels but it was like i believe at like a million plays on soundcloud or or approaching wow. a million plays on soundcloud yeah like after after like a few years of it being out it was like about to hit that i know, I know it was for sure like at like the high 800s low 900s but it might have hit 1 million because i didn't check it like a whole bunch sometimes <laughs> i would um it's crazy but that's that's so much yeah. like it's <laughs> It's yeah, nuts. it was it was a really popular song, and um, it ended up getting distributed to Spotify. And for like a long time, it literally like was just like not performing well. Like after like five months of it being out, or like four or something like that, it only had like two thousand plays or something. And I was like, ah oh, man, like it's crazy how much how how well it did on SoundCloud, but it's not going to do anything on Spotify. Like, so I mean, I kind of dismissed it, and um, I kept doing remixes at this point. And they were unofficial remixes, a lot of them. And um, I uh, basically just would like find stems online. I would try to find like I'll like whatever song is popular at the time. I would try to see if I could find an acapella or something, or like even like a, a bad acapella, and just put a whole bunch of reverb on it to make it sound good. And um, I'll just do remixes of that. And over time, like I said, I was doing this every two weeks, and I would just find any song I could think of and just remix it, remix it, remix it. And I just kept doing that over and over again i started building this fan base because my my manager kevin at the time um me and him would just like relentlessly send it out to like these soundcloud ag aggregate channels we would get reposts we would do repost repost this is when repost repost like was first like a thing so it was actually like very powerful at the time like when you did repost for repost you would actually get like from one person you could get like five thousand extra plays so wow. um yeah, yeah like, so nowadays a repost could get you nothing you know like nothing this, some of these channels like 20 will, streams yeah like they, they might repost like 20 tracks in a day and they'll like ch try to charge all these producers like per repost and it's it's almost turned into like a like a weird pyramid scheme <laughs> all these repost networks yeah, no, literally it is <laughs> like i i was definitely like a part of it when i saw it like really like stop working and i was like wow everybody's engagement is sh like horrible yeah. now it's just 
not there. But um, I kept doing these remixes and I and I kept doing remix competitions too because I was trying to build new connections because I had a manager, but I'm like a very independent spirit. So it's like, that's also, why, honestly, that's why we stopped working together eventually because I yeah. just wasn't like letting him do his manager thing. Like I was like, kind of like being too involved in things. Cause I like to just move. I like to just go. Like, I, I don't like to wait on someone else. Like if they're sleeping or all this, I'm just like, I, I need to do it. Like right now, like time is money, bro. Like, so um, while he was still managing me, I was like doing remix competitions and, and things like that. And uh, I was trying to get in good with the trap nation guys. And um, mm. I was able to find the owner's Facebook and he accepted my friend request, but this dude would like never like, he would leave me on red sometimes and like he wouldn't, he wouldn't reply. And I was like, dang, man, how can I just, I need to figure out how I can get in good with this dude. And um, eventually I, uh, he, he had a remix competition on, um, for Trap Nation. And it was on, it was on a thing. What is that place called? I think it's called Wavo. I think that's what it was called, but they used to host like remix. I don't know. I think it might, it might still be a thing and they might host remix competitions, but hmm. there was a remix competition on there. And I uh, entered the Trap Nation one and I ended up winning. Like it was really cool. And um, the dude recognized me and he messaged me on Facebook and he was like, yo, your remix is like, is really good. And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> I know what this means. I know when he, I know what this means. Like I, I've been like doing this long enough to know, like, when I've like kind of established like a solid connection, even if I still might get ghosted a few times, they'll reply sometimes, which is yeah. like, that's, that's good enough for me. Like, I just need them. That means that, that, that means I just need to send them the highest quality material. So then that way I don't like bug them pretty much. Like everything mm -hmm. I send is like fire. So I win that competition and it got posted on trap nation. And that was like my first song ever to get a million views, I believe like on YouTube. Um, and after that, I was I had a really good connection with Andre, and um, um, what else was happening? I was doing remixes. I think at this at a point, me actually okay. I I won a remix comp. I, I won another remix competition for Monster Cat, um, and that was like how I also spread my name a bit more too. It was like for this uh, the song Botneck and Icy Monsters. Um, deeper love and I ended up leave, winning that and the funny thing is um, I don't know if, if you know who Slushy is but he's like yeah. a really prominent EDM yeah so Slushy was way smaller than me at the time oh. and he came in <laughs> second place I believe and I came in first and he actually hit me up to do a collab at that time and it was before he got like managed by like this huge manager Mo Shalizi like who's just like manages just like all the biggest acts in EDM pretty much yeah. and this dude just blew up like literally like a month after I won that competition, this dude passed me up in everything. Like it was insane yeah. how fast he grew. And yeah, unfortunately, he's, he's like, we never got to collab. He's <laughs> gigantic now. Like, what is he yeah, like? Multiple millions huge. of monthly listeners, I think. Yeah, he's got probably one point like, six million monthly listeners, and he's got 591,000 500, followers. So, man, that's it's crazy yeah. how, like, <laughs> like you kind of like. You were like ramping up ahead of him, and then one day he just yeah. you know makes a certain connection and pop. I mean, his music's fantastic, so he definitely yeah. deserves it. Um, oh yeah, definitely he does. But that's that's cool. That's a really cool like occurrence. Just bump into someone who's now like kind of an international act. <laughs> yeah, it, it's happened a few times with me where it'll be like somebody like kind of smaller, like the same size, and then they 
make a connection and then like because they already have great music but it's all about finding that connection who can really like market your music to people and get it to people's ears and then they yeah. blow up like that's how like I've, I've experienced that a few times with some some artists um but yeah so i won that competition and at this time i'm starting to build up like a different type of like um what's the word like just hype or something around my name like yeah. at this point i'm like in with like monster cat and like mr suicide sheep and like trap nation which you know are like the like the biggest edm channels pretty much yeah. So now I'm like, I'm starting to get to that next level where I'm just like, oh my, wow, this is like, whoa, this is, this is really, really cool. So um, I kept doing remixes. I already had my original that I was going to release, um, but I was waiting. I was just building up hype, building up hype because people were wondering, they're like, why does this dude release original music? Like <laughs> everyone was like really like commenting that. And I was like, okay, that's good. Like, at this point, I'm fully in the mindset that my manager was putting me in. I was like, oh, yeah, I like this. I like that people want it, but I'm not going to give it to them yet. I'm just going to keep doing this re these remixes until they just get tired of them. Like, like right on the edge of them getting tired of the remixes, I'll drop an original song. Because um, I know they're fiending for it. Like, they want to hear what I could do by myself. So I had a song, You Remind Me Ready. And basically, um, I at, at a certain point, I um, stopped working with my manager because, like I said, we butted heads because just because of me, pretty much like he really wanted to be like the manager of things and like really, like I said, just manage things. And uh, I was like kind of acting as like a co-manager, kind of like yeah. he was handling the main stuff, but I would like go do my own thing and like also not like inform him of what I'm doing. So he wasn't like updated on uh. everything, but I just felt like it was going to take a lot to like just always like messaging like oh i'm about to go message this guy on facebook i'm about to go do this i'm about to go do this i'm about to go like do this like yeah because i already that, have that way you'd have the weird situation where like you hit up someone mm -hmm. and then he hits up the same person and then it looks super yeah. unprofessional because like you're you know your organization can't even talk to each other like so why should they take you seriously those kind of situations exactly I, I can see where you know where <laughs> where there would be a conflict and just to just to butt in because um caesar in the comments mentions i uh, found you on mr suicide sheet fell in love with your work there fire emoji so <laughs> shout out to caesar <laughs> a nice man okay but, um, yeah at that point we stopped working together and at this point like like i said i acted as like a manager essentially also so once he left i knew everything i needed to do which is is pretty great like i was just like it was it sucked because i was like dang man he has some real like like i said he worked at epic records he had like major yeah. label connections ma major artist connections and i lost some of those so i was like dang but i established my own connections like i had a personal relationship with mr suicide chief i had a personal relationship with trap nation i had a personal relationship with um an a and r at monster cat so um at that point i was like okay i i could do this i just need to work harder now so i kept doing the remix thing i ended up some i don't even i don't even know i don't even remember how i got the email but i got an email for the chain smokers like after they did selfie and everything like they they're pop like they were doing like they were just like super popular at the time yeah i was able to get an email where like they guaranteed would listen to stuff like it was like and it was like an inside i forget how i got it it was like some kind of like producer home or something that gave it to me and i tested it out because i did it i did a chain smoker remix of what is that song called um dang I, I 
forgot the name of it. Closer. I think it's called Closer. Oh, Closer. Yeah, that's like their OG, like, super hit, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, with well, Halsey. So, yeah. I found, like, the acapella online. I literally did a remix in, like, two days. Like, I literally just spent two days on it because it just came out. So, I was like, I got I to gotta hit it while it, it's, like, this hype is around this song because people are going to type in Closer Remix and I'm going to yeah. pop up. So, I need to, like, capitalize on it. So, I also had a connection at Proximity, too. I forgot how I got that connection. I think because I did some like remix and he ended up liking it because I got like a connection from one of the other channels. They like introduced me to him. Um, so I did this closer remix and this is like one of the, this is the release that let me know how far I got because I emailed the song to the Chainsmokers after it came out, after I posted it on SoundCloud. I did a whole bunch of promo like two weeks before because what i'll always do is i give myself two weeks because some people want to premiere stuff some people want right. to like have exclusive like exclusivity or whatever like they want to be the first ones to upload it so i would do promo two weeks out which is like something i recommend everyone to do when you have a release do it like at least like two weeks out because people love to be the first ones to hear things um and so i just went crazy for promo for this and once it came out um I sent it to their email and they listened to it and they reposted it on their SoundCloud. So I got a I got a SoundCloud repost from the Chainsmokers on that remix. Then oh, I got man. proximity to post a video of it on YouTube. Like I was like strategically doing this. I was like, I'm just gonna get hit with all this traffic. Cause I just hit up all these blogs, hit up all these SoundCloud channels. I was doing reposts for reposts. And literally, I believe in three days, I got a hundred thousand plays on that song. <laughs> Jeez. from the amount of promo that i did like i was like really like i strategically was like i want to hit i definitely said i want to hit 100k in less than a week because i knew i could do that at that point because of the connections i built um but i didn't expect it to happen that fast i was like holy wow <laughs> this is like yeah i, yeah, like, I, it was I just moments. pulled up your soundcloud and you know four hundred and one thousand plays 245 comments and um yeah, that's that's crazy. Especially like it's it's a remix too. Like it's mm -hmm. I see you have a lot of remixes that have done really well, which is I never even thought of that um mm -hmm. as as a, you know, I mean I, I guess I'm not my like electronic music is uh, more like arts art like artisty, I guess. And like mm -hmm. I know recently you've been trying to make yourself be more of an artist and lesser known as like you know just a producer. I think we mentioned yeah. that before and um, so maybe that's why I never thought of it, but like, it's crazy the volume that you can get on some of these remixes. Um, obviously the strategy yeah. behind it and skill, of course, remixes aren't mm -hmm. easy by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah, man, like Elenium, Sleepwalker, 550,000 listens, Just Ascent, Heaviest Heartbreak, 524,000 listens, Leo, 401, Seven Lions, 193, like it's... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was relentless with it, man. Like I was just I didn't get because the thing is, I was in such a habit of doing it like every two weeks. I was just like, bro, I can't stop. I can't stop. Even though sometimes it wasn't every two weeks, but it was like a consistent like even if it was like a month like break between them. I was like very like people were expecting me to release something. Mm -hmm. So that was like very powerful because I did it for such an amount of time. And once you like I'd say once you get about like four or five releases like released consistently, people see that as a pattern They're like oh this dude like he releases music like every like this amount of time so they check back so that's why i always that's yeah. why i tell people like you should do that every two weeks three weeks or month because you build up this this pattern and people um see that pattern and they come back so they're like oh wait it's been two weeks since that one song came out 
let me go listen to if let me go check and see if he released something. So that was um, something that I uh, discovered at that time. So um, yeah, I did that. I kept doing a few more remixes after that, and um, I was still solo at the time. And then um, I got to a point where I finally released my original "You Remind Me," and that was a completely um, independent release. Like I did all the promo myself. Um, as far as like connections, I didn't have like an official manager at the time. I had this one guy from Trap Nation helping me out. Um, not uh, the the owner, but uh, another guy who was like second in command there. He like really believed in me and like he ended up managing me uh, a bit after the original song came out. Um, hmm. But initially, he was just kind of helping me out. He was like, "Oh yeah, I'm just gonna try to like get your 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 stuff to as like many connections as I have." Because like I said, he really believed in me. We would like have like long Skype conversations sometimes, just like kind of chopping it up and talking about like my dreams and what I want to do and, and everything. And um, so, yeah, if you look on Spotify, like that song, like it got actually featured on like um, on like one of those big EDM playlists before Mint was Mint. It was um, something I forgot, but it was like the biggest EDM playlist. It got featured on there within the first week of it coming out. Um, and uh, yeah, it got on a few like big Spotify playlists and that song literally like blew up like initially, like as far as like how many streams it got, like I got a hundred thousand streams on that song in like less than a week on Spotify, I believe. Like it was like oh, very wow. quick. Yeah, it was like very quick. Um, but I, I promoed like the crap out of that song. Like I like because I built up so much hype to it because like I said, for like a, pretty much like almost like a whole year. Remix, 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 yeah. remix, no originals. And people were waiting for that. So I like um, was able to release that. And then boom, like it just ended up just doing like super like it did like um, like more amazing than I thought it was going to do. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is like it's just like the thing is, like I like I keep saying, there's like not a lot of tricks to this. It's just like you got it's the basics are what matter the most in everything is what I've discovered. Like at the age that I'm at now is like, you got to do the, if you do the basic things better than anyone else, you're going to just kill everyone. You're going to kill it. Cause everyone's looking for that instant gratification. Everyone's looking for that, that trick. They're not willing to put in the hard work on the things that actually matter. And I did that for such a point of time that it showed me that just doing the things that make the most sense instead of all these fancy tricks, really pays off when you just give it time and like real effort and yeah. um yeah it got featured on a whole bunch of channels it got featured on i think suicide sheep it got featured on proximity um some other youtube channels like some blogs uh covered it and it did well on soundcloud too like every single platform it literally like on youtube i think i don't think it hit a million views on anything on youtube but um it um it, it got like hundreds of thousands of streams on every platform. It got over a hundred K on everything. So that was really cool. And I believe after I released you remind me, I was, I was working on my Zodiac album already. So, um, yeah. And that then, was and this like, is one, um, that Caesar in the chat asked about, was yeah. it asked about his, um, his Zodiac album? So mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what, what's the whole story behind Zodiac? So ever since I was like a little kid, I've always like my mom has always like been into like astrology and things like that. So it's always been like my mom will always like say like things I do is because I'm like a Gemini or like because my sister's like an Aries or whatever. So I was like, I always thought it was cool. I was like, yo, 
why hasn't anyone done like a Zodiac album? Like I always like would I like I kind of I always got scared because I was like, dude, somebody's gonna take my idea. Like someone's <laughs> gonna think of this, and no one. Like I did see that. Um, eventually, I did see that there was like this YouTube kind of series of like Zodiac music things, but it was like mm-hmm. very like spiritual type of like meditation music. It wasn't like an actual like listen listening album. So I was like, okay, so no one's done like an actual listening album of this idea. <laughs> oh so, man, you've 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 done a collab with um, Wolf on that album. Yeah, I love that guy's music. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's amazing. Like, love that dude. But um, yeah, I ended up um, just uh, waiting on the idea because I said in order for this to pop, because I knew I knew it was a good idea. I was just like, I need to be patient. And wait till I have the producer skill set to really give justice to this idea. So um, eventually I was after You Remind Me came out, um, I really started working heavy on it because I remembered it. It like it just suddenly kicks. I forgot about it for years and it came back and I was like, yo, wait a minute. I could do this. The Zodiac album thing. Whoa. And then it just like it just made my it, did, it was just like this butterfly tingly feeling where I was like, dude, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I just dedicated all my time, all my energy to that. And I think if you look at my SoundCloud, there was like a significant gap between releases. Like I started to lose momentum as an artist. Like people were asking about me. Like I, I knew I, I saw like comments and stuff. People were like, you know, this Zan Griffin dude just died. Like he just <laughs> like he did all this. He built up all this momentum and he just like went ghost mode. And the thing is, I kept it so top secret. I didn't say any, I didn't hint at it. I didn't tell any fans. I, the only people who knew were like industry people that I would talk to because I was trying to find a label. Because this time I was like, uh. I want to push this as much as possible. So I want to do this with the label. And um, I started working on it when I was 16. And it honestly got finished when I was 18. But the thing is, is how I released the album was I released each Zodiac song on the day of each Zodiac. <laughs> so Gemini came out on the day of Gemini, like the day it started. And then um, Cancer came out on the day of Cancer. So I was able to have time in order to make each song, even if they weren't finished yet. So what I did is I waited till it got to a point where I was able to pitch the idea to a label because it wasn't finished yet, like when I pitched it. But I had a few songs that got my idea across. I was like, oh, yeah, these songs like are next level like so i hit up um mr suicide cheap which is also known as seeking blue and they like absolutely love the idea and they're like we're, we're totally down to support this we love how you're gonna you're, how you're gonna do an album but release every single song on these days because you know i told you about the remix thing i saw what that did i saw what that does as far as like consistently releasing i knew if i dropped a whole thing of songs it's just not like every song is going to get love like that. I wanted yeah. every song to be heard. So when I pitched that idea to them, they were like, this is like, this is a, such a good idea. Like, why, why hasn't anyone thought of this? And so, um, um, yeah, I just pretty much got those songs together. They helped me get like some of the vocalists. I knew some of the vocalists personally. And like, like that Capricorn song, I really, it's crazy how that song ended up being my most popular song I've ever done. Cause like, I really thought that was going to be the worst performing song on the album. And, um, just like how me and Wolf, how we like connected, it was so like, we weren't, we didn't connect for a collab. Literally my manager, like the, the dude who worked at Trap Nation, who became my manager. Um, he actually knew Wolf personally. And I, I had my first show ever. Like when I was 16, I had my first show at South by Southwest. And, um, 
I didn't know how to use CDJs. I didn't have money for CDJs. <laughs> I didn't know anyone was DJs. And I had to use CDJs at the venue. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to mess up. Like, I got this opportunity, but I don't know how to use these things. So Wolf had a whole set of CDJs. So I went to his house. Um, we met for the first time. Uh, he showed me how to use them. I practiced my set. And I played him Capricorn before vocals were on it. Because, you know, those are his vocals. Wolf's vocals are on that. He didn't do any yeah. production, but he did the vocals on it. And... um. Um, he heard it. He was like, yo, this song is so cool. He's like, are you going to have a vocalist on this? I was like, yeah, man, if I could find one. He's like, and he told me, he's like, you know, I've actually been trying to sing. Like, I <laughs> I, um, I just started to really start singing on my own stuff. And he showed me a song he sang on. I was like, yo, your voice sounds so good. And then on top of that, he is actually a Capricorn, too. So it was just like one uh, of those, like, yeah, destiny yeah. moments where we were both <laughs> like, dude, we, we have to do this. So I gave the, um, the song to him. And um, it took him probably like a week or two. And then he ended up sending me the vocals and everything. And it sounded, I mean, pretty much what it is now. And um, yeah, like it was just like a lot of moments like that on Zodiac where it was just like very like coincidence, like. Yeah. And cool I, I just realized, moments. like, I, I know when we chatted, um, I checked out some of your songs, but I noticed that I actually have Capricorn saved. So I think I actually heard it like, years ago and saved it on spotify and didn't realize <laughs> it when so we funny. talked so like even before we met apparently i uh already heard your work that's like it's kind of a crazy coincidence but yeah that's that's really cool <laughs> yeah because he, he was actually one of the first um electronic artists i ever like really that made me like in electronic music because for the longest mm -hmm. time i was a metalhead like i listened to rock and metal and i wasn't big in electronic mm -hmm. music and Probably starting in 2017-ish, I started listening to electronic music and pop and stuff. And um, Wolf was the first... Wolf and... Um, oh, I forget the name of the other artist. I'm not going to remember it. There was, there was another artist as well that um, got me into it. And it was because I think I heard one of his songs in... Um, there's this, like, drone flying channel. I forget, I forget what they're called, but, like, the guy just does, like freestyle fpv drone flying i don't know if you've ever seen that yeah. but it's dope and he would play like some of wolf's music because i think he has some royalty free stuff out there um mm -hmm. and i just found it and that's 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 what got me into like edm and then releasing my own electronic music and pop music and starting to even look into music marketing so it's come full circle <laughs> it really has come full circle yeah that's that's pretty funny Damn. But, um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy how things, I don't know, just how the universe works sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and so on that song, you got 2.4 million streams. Yeah. And it's And your... the crazy part is that song was never in any editorial playlist, ever. Oh, wow. So it, so what what gave it such a big push? Um. So... so like I said, I released every single one of these songs on the day of the Zodiac. And initially, so I was, because of the numbers I got previously, because I, like I told you, like I got like 100K in like three days, things like that. Yeah. I was really counting on when I like dropped the first song from Zodiac, which was Gemini, just because even though the first song in the Zodiac like thing is um, Aries, I started with Gemini just because I'm a Gemini and I dropped it on my birthday. Yeah. And um so I dropped Gemini and I thought, oh, man, this is going to blow up. I'm going to get so many streams on Spotify. Like you remind me did so well, like Gemini, like pretty much like crap song. You remind me like this song is like it's going to do it. And it really didn't like it, it did. It did well. Like 
anybody in here will be happy with the numbers I got, but I just was so focused on like, I, I wanted to outdo myself. I was just like, yo, what I built up all this hype. Like, ah. but what happened is Capricorn is like one of the last songs that got released. So as I kept doing the series, every single song just got more popular because look, I never told anyone. I, I didn't say that this is a Zodiac series. I just released them. I wanted to see how people will react because I wanted it to feel mysterious. I wanted people to feel like they're a part of like some like secret or something like that. I didn't want yeah. it to be like a known, like, oh, I'm doing a Zodiac series. Like people caught on eventually and people are like, yo, wait, he released Gemini, Capricorn. I mean, uh, he released like Gemini, Cancer, Leo, like, Scorpio, like all these different ones. He's like, they're like, he's doing a Zodiac series. And then they realize I dropped them on the days. And then it was one of those things where like word of mouth, and all those things, like people are like, yo, this dude is doing a Zodiac series. And what happened is it just started to just skyrocket in popularity. Like it like all pretty much almost all the videos that got posted because it was released on Mr. Suicide Chief's label. So they posted every single one of the songs on their channel, except for Aries and like two other ones, because they were just a little too hardcore. Um, yeah. But um, almost every single one of those songs has a million views right now or over like Capricorn has, I think, has like five million views on that channel. Um, Damn. Yeah, yeah so it was so, it was pushed out through a combination of you know you you've built up this organic audience over the years mm-hmm. you've built all these net these connections and especially with mr suicide sheep who is like ginormous um featuring mm-hmm. a lot of them and so like you literally did this like did, did you pitch to like blogs too or other playlists or anything or was it all just like leveraging those couple strong connections and your fan base Definitely, I, I did my best to do my own promo because, uh, like I said, I'm like one of those people who I don't really like to just rely on somebody else to just do all the heavy lifting. I'm like, if we both do heavy lifting, we could lift like twice the weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was really just messaging all the blogs that I knew of. I was messaging like just everybody I could. So I was able to definitely get coverage from other places. I was still doing like reposts with people because um, it was still kind of working at the time. Hmm. Not really that much. So eventually I stopped doing it. Cause it just stopped working and it made my SoundCloud just kind of look weird. I just, I wanted to have that like clean, like professional look at that point. Cause I got to a size where I was like, okay, I don't, I don't really like need to do this. It seems like I have like enough organic um, people coming out. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, just blogs and stuff, but it didn't, the most that it did was like, give me some new fans to be able to tell other people by word of mouth that, I'm doing the series, which I feel like was the most powerful thing. It was like, it was such a combination of like the reason why the Zodiac album is still even doing well. Like a lot of those monthly listeners that you see are coming from that album that I released it over two years ago now. Like it's been two years since it's released. And yeah. um, I still get con- like consistent streams on it. Like it's, it's pretty much, it's, it's, it stays at a number. It hasn't like, actually Capricorn has been getting more streams l- lately, which is very interesting. Um, so it stayed at this consistent number because I just thought about I, I thought about this stuff like so thoroughly when I was like, I'm going to release these things every single um, like Zodiac thing, like every day of the Zodiac. I'm going to make fire music because that was the most important part. I was like, these songs have to be like amazing. Like I the, the fact that because I also got like a great um, artist to do it, like the guy who did all the artwork that you see. He's mm-hmm. actually, he was one of the artists for Magic the Gathering. He did, like, some of the, the card <laughs> really? designs. Yeah. Well, yeah. Funny. So that's why the, the artwork looks so good. And the crazy thing is, 
since we got that guy to do the series, we actually has such a big fan base. Some of his fans recognize his artwork style and they're like, yo, Peter Moorbacher did your artwork. <laughs> so it was like, it was just all these things stacked on top of each other that just yeah. really allowed this, this thing to like, just build up, build up, build up, build up, build up to such a point. And um, yeah, and that's pretty much I guess like how Capricorn ended up getting so much traction because I mean it's it's a great song like um I can see what, what Caesar says he said don't forget it was a fire song um yeah that's but, um, it, that's the thing that probably um I don't mention enough in my channel and, and a lot of other people probably don't mention like um you know when you're talking about promoting music we often forget to mention like the music just by default has to be awesome <laughs> so you know I, yeah. like Capricorn uh you know if, if it wasn't a great song, even with all your connections in the world, like it, you know, wouldn't have gone as far as it did. Um, and I'm sure like all your connections and having like Wolf on it and stuff. I mean, you have a, a crazy amount of collabs in this. Like almost every single song on Zodiac is a collab. Well, it has like a vocalist feature on it or, or yeah. something. And um, I'm sure that helped a lot. But, you know, your the production skills uh, matter a lot. <laughs> and so you're oh yeah sure you're you're like you know nine years of obsessing over making dope music and honing the craft of remixes you know it's uh it doesn't happen overnight <laughs> no it, it really doesn't man and sometimes i forget because i don't know like i forget about all the work that i put out like conversations like these lets me realize how far i've gotten to like the point that i'm at right now and it makes me go like wow because even at this point i still feel like I don't know, like a noob, like I still feel like, yeah. like a noob at this thing. Like even about like, you know, our call about like Facebook ads and stuff. Like I'm still like always learning. Like I'm, I'm not like holding on to the past. I'm not like, Oh man, I did this and I did this. And like, and I'm not just like, I don't know. My ego isn't like blown up by that because I see that a lot of the things that I used to do don't work anymore. And I'm always just yeah. trying to become a student and like learn from other people who know what's going on right now. And, um, yeah, and I feel like that's also what allowed me to get to such a point that I'm at is because um, I really humbled myself in a lot of ways as far as, like, always thinking that I'm not really that great. Like, I feel like I can always get, like, way better. And, you know, there's a lot of people who have said, like, oh, man, you're, you're, you're like, my favorite producer and, like, you're the best EDM producer, like, some stuff like that. And I'm like, whoa, like, I don't know about that one, bro. There's some, there's some dudes who are like 16 who are killing me, bro. Like, well, that, that's you know dope, I mean? though. And I, I've noticed that, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people on this kind of series that I do who have like various levels of, of success in music. And that's a common trait I've noticed among the, the people who who end up pushing things pretty far to, to where they are now. Like they they never they're never like bragging about it or they're never like they never even necessarily realize it. Like, well, like one dude I was yeah. talking to, you know, he had like 300,000 monthly listeners. And I was like, like, dude, you're, you're kind of like, you're kind of a big deal. Like you, mm -hmm. like you're living off of your Spotify income and, and you're not even like touring and you're still just making a living off your music. You're dropping music videos. You, you've got like all these followers and subscribers. And he's just like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, what? What, the, what do you mean you guess? Like, yes. Like, you're you're doing a fantastic job, and like that just seems to be common. And I think it's a good quality, especially like you're you're 20. You know, you you have a it's you have a super like good head on your shoulders of like how this stuff. I mean, 
that the whole release strategy you just described for for um zodiac if someone like told me like yo i got this idea for an album i'm gonna drop this zodiac album i'm gonna drop all these releases on the first day of each zodiac and i'm not even gonna tell anyone that i'm doing it i'll be like <laughs> yo that's such a fire idea like that's brilliant because you're, you're kind of making this cult following you're letting your your existing audience like figure stuff out on their own and trusting that they'll mm -hmm. do that and then you're you're leveraging all these connections like in hindsight your whole like you know 10-year journey you just described it's like it's brilliant like you had so many brilliant steps along the way it's 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 almost like it was like inevitable that you would um you know get to where you are now and it's you know i feel like it's inevitable with with all those decisions you're gonna have no problem getting you know surpassing slushy once again <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, definitely, uh, definitely hope that I can. And I know one thing is like, I've definitely grown more confident in my abilities. So it's one of those things where I've definitely humbled myself, but I, I believe in myself at the same time. It's like a, yeah. it's like a balance because you can't be overconfident because then you miss a lot of um, opportunities. Like there's still like some artists who are just like, they have no followers. And if their music is just crazy, I'm just like, yo, like, what are you doing, bro? Like, how'd you do that? Like, or like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. I just kind of recognize talent in different ways, even if they're like not as big as me or they haven't as much experience as me or they haven't gotten the stats that I've gotten and things like that. Um, and that's that comes from like that humble aspect. But then at the same time, I've seen some artists who are too humble. And it's one of those things where they never know mm. like what their worth is. It's like they never are able to like, even with like deals and stuff. Like sometimes an artist may be offered like $10,000 for like, a 60 year contract or something and that person is like oh my gosh i get to sign a major label deal and i get ten thousand dollars but they don't know their worth yeah. like that's one of those those instances where they're too humble and they don't know like what they're they're capable of so it's like it's like a it's like a balance you have to find of like believing in yourself and know that you're like you know kind of like hot stuff or whatever but at the same time you're like i could be a lot hotter you know what i mean like yeah i'm not at the, the hottest i could be so yeah and like you know things are always changing and it's like the second you stop learning is like the moment you you kind of start dying in a way like you know oh, yeah. i i try to like that's one reason why like this, this series is great because i get to talk to people like you who have completely different experiences and and then realize like oh maybe i'm wrong about this maybe i should try this you know like your your opinion on like dropping tracks like faster than what i typically say to drop them and a justification mm -hmm. for that and like a lot of the like the nuances along the way i mean like the the, the cap the um uh zodiac album like strategy and, and like the remix and stuff it's making me think like oh man maybe i should uh tweak my re my release strategy a little bit and and try to do something fancier and more um artistic and and stuff like that but yeah it's you know the you never stop learning i guess is the moral of the oh, yeah. story never stop learning man like i've i've learned so many things and like i've fail like i'm talking about all these successes i've had but like it's like literally i i think i failed more than i've succeeded and the thing is um i i believe that failure is the greatest teacher and it just shows you what not to do like i've done so many releases that you can i mean some of them are like privated like <laughs> i've released a lot of music like a lot like a lot more music than people know that i've released because a lot of them don't do well like even if some people go through my sound on um, my youtube you'll be able to see so many releases that were never published on like on distributors or like on my SoundCloud, like there's 
sometimes you could go different parts of the internet and find like Zan Wild stuff or Zan Griffin stuff. And you'll be able to see like, yo, this, this song isn't anywhere except this one place. Like, why is it? Because I took it down. Like, and I, maybe I forgot about that other place. Or maybe I want to leave it up because I'm like, ah, oh, you know, if someone wants to do like a deep dive on me or something, they could find some like gems. But yeah. um, no, it, yeah. I've had the same thing where like when I got my first editorial placement on Spotify, I made a video about it just so I could share with mm-hmm. people like maybe some things they could do to improve their chances. And people were like, oh, man, like you're so lucky. I wish I could get an editorial placement. And I'm like. Well, I mean, yes, I was fortunate to get it, but at the same time, yeah. I submitted fifty songs to them before this that did not get did not get selected. Yeah. Like it literally was one out of fifty that got selected, and and then in terms of like failed songs, I mean, I dropped three albums before I even started promoting my music, and so I, those were all flops, you know, because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and um, it's like by far like the biggest motivator for me is like every time something goes wrong, it's like. And maybe it's the engineer in me. You know, I'm a mechanical engineer by by career. And well, that's dope, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I went, you know, I got a master's degree in mechanical engineering. And oh, that's sweet. It's, um, so I guess you like you and I are kind of kind of a lot of like musician yeah, and, right, and yeah. engineering kind of mindset. But like, you know, when something yeah. goes wrong, you know, the, the engineer in you or the, the nerd in you is just like obsessive over why didn't that work? What can I do to improve it? Like, what are all these little analytics? What, what, you know, what can I tweak? What can I fix? And then, um, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Problem solving. Cause that's what I, cause I took a four year engineering um, pathway in my high school called AVEX, which is the Apple Valley engineering. I, I forget what the X stands for, but it was just, <laughs> I just called the Apple Valley engineering program. But um, yeah. we had to do like a lot of like, cause we had actual like precision machining. Like we use like CNC lathes, um, like all like those types of things we used, um, SolidWorks and like all the oh, different yeah. like CAD type of softwares and stuff like that. And our final senior project, we had to write a, um, like 60 something page paper on an invention. And literally what my teacher said, like the main teacher for that whole pathway, cause I had the same teacher from freshman year all the way to senior year. He would always say engineer solve problems. That's like literally what you do as an engineer. Like you find, yeah. like simplify it find the problem that is like that a lot of people have don't find like a super niche problem but don't find like something like way too big and broad like you have to kind of like find that balance yeah and our our job is to solve that problem and um i I just have always thought about that like i always think about like what problem am i solving right now like what am i bringing to the market even for business even businesses that's how they think it's like what problem am i solving amazon solved the problem of shipping like any good that you want in like two days to somebody or like yeah. just really short, like shipping. Like that's really like the main problem that they solved was being able to get things instantaneously or almost inst- eventually it'll be instantaneously. But like, yeah, yeah. that's, I, that's the goal right now. They want to have the biggest store that you can get things from. Yeah. Um, and like every, every business, that's like the number one thing, you know, what, what problem are you solving? And for, you know, even with you and your music, like by networking with these people you're solving problems for them and in exchange they're solving problems for you that's kind of how a relationship works right like you know hey i'll yeah you need a favor okay i'll, I'll solve that problem yeah. for you and then like five favors later like hey can you i can't get anyone to hear my music can you help me solve that problem and then yeah. um you know amazon with their shipping and, and like for me my whole youtube channel the whole problem i try to solve for people is you can't get your music heard let me try to let me try let me try to give you some ways to solve that problem. Like this is what I've done and that's what works. And problem solving kind of yeah, drives, man. drives life itself. And, but uh, it does. And I've like, 
I've experienced a lot of people who like, there's some people who I just won't bother listening to their music just because of how they kind of come at me. It's just like, I'm only offering you like something. It's like, you're just like, there is, there is no like exchange of value. And like, just from my experience, like I've always been one to make sure that I'm not just coming at someone like, Hey, could you listen to my music? Like, like I told you, I always find like clever ways in order to kind of like get people to listen to my stuff or I kind of back off when I see that they're getting annoyed with me. I'm like, oh, wait, I don't want to ruin that connection because then yeah. I'm going to be the kid that they block or ignore or anything like that. So I always try to figure out like what it is that they need. I'll like look at their Facebook posts. I'll be like, dang, they have this problem. I'm good at this. Like some artists that I've, I've become friends with, they literally didn't know how to do like graphic design or they didn't have a graphic designer. And I'm like, oh, yo, bro, I can do like this video for you. I can make a logo for you. There's been like a lot of like fruitless favors I've done like I can't even name every single one, but like I said, I've like done more fruitless favors than like favors that paid off in the long run. Like it's, it, I've just yeah. kind of learned from, from, from a lot of those. And like I said, I've just talked about like those successes that I've had, but like, like there's been yeah. a ton of failures and learning mistakes, uh, like learning things. So 